0: Good morning and welcome to episode 202 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindberg. Ben might have to duck out in a moment because he's just ordered diner food, which mm-hmm. makes me wonder, Ben, what do you order from a diner at 9.14 a.m. in the morning <laughs> after staying up all night long?
1: Uh, I order the same thing at all hours, generally. Um, I don't really... Uh, I'm kind of a... What is it? I kind of prefer dinner food at all times, but I, I did get an omelet, uh, so that's breakfasty. But I also got some salmon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this is not a salmon omelet. It's no, a, they are two separate, you, two you separate two, dishes. You ordered two entrees, mm-hmm. and you're going to eat them at once? Yes.
1: Well, I mean, uh, I will not put one bite yeah. from one in my mouth and then put a bite from the other in my mouth. I will finish one and then immediately begin the second one.
0: Uh, at the risk of going on too long about this what's what's in the omelet and when was the last time you ate uh
1: um i guess the omelet contains vegetables like yeah vegetable omelet i think it is and uh the last time i ate was i don't know uh several hours ago i guess
0: and this is the diner that was made world famous by the yes. TV show Elementary a couple days ago. Yes, it was. It was finally on. As, as noted in Effectively Wild a couple months ago,
1: your, your <laughs> yes. diner was on TV. <laughs> yes, I saw it. It was exciting.
0: All right. So what are you going to talk about today?
1: Uh, well, I, I was going to talk about Bryce Harper and his hitting the outfield wall. Um, but then I actually saw the play, and it was not what I expected when I read that he had run into an outfield wall to catch a ball. Uh, because when I read that, I assumed it was it was a case of him just being gritty and and playing hard and just running after a ball as hard as he could. But then when I watched it, it was more like he just forgot that that outfield's have walls. Yeah, it was it was weird. Uh, I don't know whether it's like a an experience in that stadium thing or something. But I mean, all stadiums have warning tracks that tell you that the wall is coming up and. Uh, he seemed to have no awareness of that for whatever reason on that particular play.
0: Yeah, uh, it's hard to talk about that play because the the only thing that I can think of to say when I when I watch that play is why did why didn't he not run into the wall? And <laughs> presu- <laughs> presumably he would have if he had. I mean, he, presumably uh, there's a reason that he ran into the wall, mm-hmm. and I can't I can't for the life of me imagine what it is.
1: Yeah, it was it was like one of those. Cartoon things where a character runs into into a wall and kind of sticks there for a second with his arms all spread out and then slowly slides down. Uh, yeah, it was like that.
0: I wonder. Did, I mean, is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, what was that then?
1: <laughs> I, I really don't know. Like,
0: I don't either. I mean, there's there's always there's there's always a tendency to be like like you know oh geez he shouldn't have done that why did he do that you know whenever you see somebody mess up but I mean the. The, the fact that he – I mean he has no rational reason to run into a wall. So clearly something distracted him or caused him to forget that he was about to run into a wall. And mm-hmm. it was hard. I mean it was it was hard for him not to run into that wall for some reason and I don't know why. But it's so weird to just see him run straight <laughs> into it with with no defense. I mean yes. is it possible that he didn't re- – like he just didn't register the warning track that for some reason he took a step and the – the warning track didn't kind of uh, echo through his, his feet and up his body and toward his brain, and he thought he was still on grass?
1: That's what it looked or like. I don't...
0: He Is there... I mean, there's not like a... But there's not like a jut in the Washington ballpark where that where the wall would would go out sharply where he might have. I mean, if, I you know, so. I could see if you were, if you played in, in Pac Bell or in AT and Park, I should mm-hmm. say, and, and you were used to triples alley, you might just sort of forget and think, yeah. oh, there's a there's a wide expanse out here.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't it, know. It, it was weird. It's it hard was to, inexplicable by, by me. But what I was going to ask was whether you would, because he is kind of the sort of player who would run into a wall. Right. to catch a ball, uh, yes. not unintentionally. And so what I was going to ask is whether you would rather have a player who does that or or whether the fact that a player does that makes you more or less optimistic about his his, his long-term future. performance. Yep. I mean, because assuming that, that your willingness to run into a wall is say, maybe correlated yep. with your desire to, to...
0: Ben, let me cut you off. Okay. Yeah, that, that's your topic. We'll
1: talk about it. <laughs> All right, that. that's our topic. Okay,
0: so my topic is going to be uh, Albert Pools playing through pain, and um, I also have one uh, little aside before we start that, which is, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's this play that um, where a first baseman is getting ready to field a throw from the infield, and if the if the throw now is up the line, you'll you'll sometimes see this play where instead of fielding it in front of the bag, they'll they'll step behind the bag uh-huh. and and field it on the other side of the foul line. Do you know this play that I'm yeah. talking about?
1: Uh-huh.
0: This play is all the rage this year, as far as I can tell. I mean, I'm seeing it constantly, and I, like I just saw it last night. Uh, and I've a- actually I, I I heard one announcer a couple days ago say that. Uh, that coaches are, are sort of recommending this play as a way for first basemen to keep safe, to keep from getting hurt as they stretch mm. uh, for a ball that and stretch into, in a way that might lead them into the runner. And you don't want people to get hurt. It's always hurt. But I, f- I just think this play is getting completely abused. And uh, it makes it very difficult for the base runner to keep running hard. And it feels like a little bit of a scam um, and so I saw Eric Hosmer do it last night and it wasn't the first time that I've had this reaction, but you know, he, he really didn't need to do it, I don't think. It was a it was a pretty unnecessary and, and overly cautious way of fielding the ball and the base runner has to totally adjust and it's awkward for him. It slows him down and uh, makes it more likely that he'll get hurt because he's trying to dodge this weird first baseman feeling the ball like almost in a straddle of the bag So I just think uh, you'll start noticing it more now that I've brought it up and then uh, we can we can gnash our teeth about it mm-hmm. later on Okay All right, so go ahead
1: uh, Yeah, okay, so so there are certain players uh, Who I guess have a reputation for for running into outfield walls or or being more willing to do that than than other players. Uh, and so I I wonder whether that makes you more optimistic or less optimistic about that player's long term performance in that uh, I, I mean I guess there's a happy medium in, in that when he when he played for the Yankees at least, Bobby Abreu had Bobby who had a reputation for doing exactly the opposite of that, uh, and being wall shy and not 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 being willing to go anywhere near walls, um, which seemed to be backed up by what I saw. Uh, And of course, when he would let a ball fall, it would often be a double or a triple and that would be bad. Uh, And and his defensive stats were not so good then or or ever really. So you you want a player who will go to the wall to catch a ball. but you maybe don't necessarily want someone who will crash into the wall over and over and over again because obviously there is some risk of injury. Uh, Bryce Harper came out of that game when he ran into that wall, uh, even though that was not really an an example of the kind of wall crashing that we're talking about. But, you know, there have been examples of, of players who have really seriously hurt themselves by doing this repeatedly over the years. So I wonder whether that desire or that willingness to, to just do anything and, and put yourself at harm to catch a ball and help the team win could be correlated with other good things that you would definitely want a player to do, like, I don't know, put in extra hours in the batting cage or, or be in peak physical condition or, or just, you know, play as hard as possible. Uh, and so that quality would be Desirable and, and would make you think That maybe that player would age better Than another player or would Just maximize his potential But on the other hand there is the risk of, of a devastating injury Or or just Repeated uh, moderate Injuries um, that could You know bring his career to A close earlier or make his Career less productive so I wonder If, if Bryce Harper is the Kind of guy who will run into an Outfield wall to catch a ball uh intentionally sometimes does that make you feel like it's more likely that he's going to be an all-time great or less likely that he is going to be an all-time great
0: right so um this used to come up a lot with um tory hunter because tory hunter would uh loved to to run over walls and he would some especially later in his career he would sort of lose the ability to yeah, and
1: to, to break Aaron Rowan I guess was another guy
0: well yeah Rowan and, is the classic I yeah. mean there's this the, I think the Giants fans always had this idea that Aaron Rowan's contract which I think was for 50 million dollars from Sabian mm-hmm. like 41 million of that was for the face face fencing <laughs> uh-huh. um, and the rest was for his flukish good offensive year but like mostly it was for the face fence and
1: to go back a bit I guess Pete Reiser with the Dodgers is like the the classic example of a guy who just kind of cut his career short by running into walls all the time anyway
0: uh, yeah um i did not know that pete riser was a, a classic example of anything
1: yeah i think uh, so, so he,
0: i i i've just learned something he
1: fractured his his skull running into a wall once
0: oh so uh so we would always ask you know Socha after the game after tory hunter would would you know topple over a wall and you know f- 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 uh, hit his head on a on a chair or something like geez you know what the, they were up by six right what, what you know do you really want tory hunter doing that and so she would always and and then it came up last year with trout too because trout has a little bit of this in him uh as well where he he sort of dives when he's up by nine and you know kind of has taken some walls really hard in a way that like you don't really see peter board just take the wall hard and so she always says the same thing and so, so with Tori, which is that um, you don't want to be, you don't want to start doing things artificial out there. You want to do what comes naturally, and you trust that these guys are sort of physical geniuses, and they know their bodies, and they know how to play it at one speed, and that speed is extremely hard. And uh, if that leads them into a wall every once in a while, then then so be it. But you're gonna, you're much more likely to be hurt if you start uh, trying to avoid the wall if you mm-hmm. start. Really trying to be deliberate about your, you know, your actions, and cautious. And he, he had as always, Mike Sosha, Every no matter what question you ask him, he has an example about Pedro Guerrero. <laughs> <laughs> and so he actually, I believe, did have a Pedro Guerrero example where like Guerrero was trying to take it easy in a spring training game and like 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 uh, ruptured a disc in his back or something, jogging to first. So always Pedro Guerrero. Uh, so I. Uh, I though think that the um, I, I mean what we're what we're really talking about is is I, I think like you said not really about one catch or you know whether uh, whether there's great value in that one extra catch that Harper might make a year or you know even four extra catches that Harper might make a year doing this but whether you whether there's a there's a, a character. Uh, trait that's revealed here that has value mm-hmm. and I, I think that there's not I would say I would argue that there's not I don't think that um, that that the guy who runs into the wall wants to win more than the guy who who doesn't run into the wall I think that they just have different they have different strategies for winning they have different m- mental math of what of how they're most most likely to win one guy uh, it's it' Is playing for that play and, and wants to win that play, and that's his mindset. And another guy wants to win over the long run, and that's his mindset. And uh, well, I mean, we're assuming that there's any mindset here. I mean, mm-hmm. it could just be it, it could just simply be the, the speed at which they, they play or the you know the opportunities they have. But um, I mean, there's there's nothing inherently um, less win oriented about being healthy and wanting to be in good shape I mean that's that's another way that baseball teams win games is by staying healthy uh, so I don't think I would not take an example like Aaron Rowan and uh, extrapolate uh, will to win out of it mm-hmm. um, I think that most baseball players are willing to do what it takes to win and sometimes uh, what it takes to win is to not sprain your knee when you're up for nothing mm-hmm so, I mean, you've watched it's, This actually is another, it, it comes up a lot with Buster Posey because after his injury, the Giants told him, you know, to, to really uh, be cautious around the plate. Don't get in any collisions. And you see it with Posey. You can actually see him avoiding uh, base runners, avoiding uh, contact. And yeah. so sometimes there was a play once where he had a, a force out at home. It was like bases loaded, none out. And uh, the throw came in to home. He fielded it. And then stepped off the plate before the base runner came in. Well, he did it too quickly, mm-hmm. and they didn't get the out. Basically, he stepped off too quickly, and they didn't get the out. And there's a certain uh, type of Giants fan who thinks like this is this is a bad thing for Buster Posey. It shows him. I mean, you don't want him, you don't want him to be a, a wuss out there. You want him to you know be able to take a hit and and do what has to be done to to get the out and to get the win. But um, you know, I think everybody is capable of going through the math and realizing that a healthy buster Posey wins a lot more games
1: mm-hmm. and i guess it would be easier to consciously alter your your home plate collision avoidance behavior maybe than to to alter your outfield wall avoidance behavior i would guess just just because you have more time generally i guess to to prepare for a home plate collision or you you kind of consciously intentionally set up in a in a certain way to prepare for that uh, whereas going after a ball, I guess is I don't I don't know that it's something that involves as much thought. It's just kind of an instinctive thing, or there's less time to to think about it because I don't know the difference between going after a ball hard and then going after a ball hard to the point that you actually run into the wall is is not that big a difference probably most of the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I don't know that it's. That it's something that you can alter or should alter uh i just was wondering whether and I, i guess in harper's case i mean he is certainly the sort of player who does appear to have a tremendous work ethic or so you hear from everyone who is who has seen him work uh so i don't know whether it's correlated in the the whole population of players but he he does seem to possess both the the work ethic and the willingness to run into walls, um, and I don't know i guess I guess the odds of him becoming one of the best players ever might be slightly higher if he if he were a little more cautious around a wall. I don't know.
0: Well, the odds of him uh, uh, being becoming nothing, yeah. Uh, are ext- are great. I would say greatly higher mm-hmm. because he's willing because he's willing to run into a wall. Yes, um, and that's worst case scenario. But it's there.
1: Mm-hmm. And over, I mean, if he has a 20 year career or something, uh, and it and maybe his willingness to running into a wall, I don't know how much that gains over the course of a season. But if you say it leads to, I don't know, five more fly balls caught or something. Uh, which maybe is too much, but probably all of those flies would be extra base hits. So that would add up to a, a decent amount of defensive value over a long career also.
0: Um, but yeah, that seems like a high number to me. I mean, yeah. you're comparing if, if you're comparing him to a Breu, yes. If you're comparing Ray, uh-huh. him to 90, 90% of right-fielders. I mean, bottom line, I think the question you're asking is, is would I, would I think more of Bryce Harper's future if he uh, quit running into walls and the answer is yes. I I think it's it's to, to some degree it's uh, it's a little admirable that he's shown, uh, you know, this super intensive, intense, high high hustle mm-hmm. style of play, and it's it's a nice quality to see him have. And I would I I'm glad to know that it's in him. But ideally, I, uh, if I were his GM, if I could flip a switch and make him run into no more walls, I would.
1: Yeah, and I guess running into infielders also because he has the same sort of style of, of play on the base paths, I guess.
0: Yeah. Running into anything uh, yeah. running. I wouldn't, I would, I, I wouldn't want to see him running out of time either. So running out of things, mm-hmm. running into things, running out of things. <laughs> yes. Uh, running around things probably except the bases. You can run around the bases, but otherwise running around things usually counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, uh, Albert Pujols is, um, as everybody knows, uh, playing through pain, And I just, uh, I've been, as you know, I've been uh, watching every instance that Albert Pujols has to run for the last month. And it's been a a a fascinating exercise. And it has, after a month, it just has me feeling like this whole thing is so weird because he is absolutely not going to get better. There's no way for him to get better while he's, while he's playing. And uh, yet, the, I don't know that there. There's the angels keep putting him out there, and he wants to be out there, and it's the second year of a ten-year deal. And I mean, literally, like I think that I think this is literally true. If if they just keep playing him, he will be in this much pain until the last day of the ten-year deal, and because uh, it's not a thing that will that will heal except.
1: I mean, as far as it could I could heal far, over an off season.
0: It could it could heal over an off season, but. Um, he just had an off-season. Yes. Uh, although he also had knee surgery in the offseason. So maybe that's good. But um, somebody asked Mike social yesterday before the game if, if it could ever heal, right, if he's playing. And you expect Mike social to be like, yeah, well, we're, you know, we're seeing some positive trends or, or whatever. But he just sort of like, in a very door way that I'm not used to seeing from Mike Socha. He, he said he just sort of said it's tough, it's tough, it's really tough. And did he have the uh,
1: Pedro Guerrero story? Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, I'm very sad that he didn't. <laughs> um, so uh, Pujols, though, um, I, I've seen a few good signs out of him lately, um, and then there's also a bad sign. So I'll, I'll get to both both of those. The, the good signs are that. Um, he does actually seem to be running better this week than he had been two or three weeks ago. And he also is clearly more willing to run this week than he was a a few weeks ago. Um, And I also watched him last night run out of ball to first base. And, uh, you know, it was slow. He went very slow and he jogged and it wasn't full effort at all. But it also, uh, he he is not quite at the farcical level of, like seven- and eight-second uh, runs to first anymore. He is at least trying to look like, a, like an athlete a little bit more, which suggests to me that the pain isn't quite as bad. Um, and he's had three instances of running hard over the last week um, that uh, are, you know, overall positive. Now, the bad sign is that um, when I, I— I have mostly heard Albert's injury and pain uh, the effects of it described uh, in relation to base running from the Angels. The most of the focus has been on his on his base running. Mm-hmm. I now I, it might just be that I haven't been paying close enough attention, but for the most part, uh, I haven't heard a lot of talk from the club about how it affects his hitting. And the idea has been that Albert Pujols can still be productive with this injury. He can't run but he can still be productive. He's still a great hitter. We're still putting him in the lineup because he's still a great hitter. We expect great hitter things out of him. And last night, that, uh, at least my exposure to that, that changed. And uh, Socha said, uh, when asked a question about his offense, said it's obvious that he's banged up. Um, He said uh, uh, there's no doubt he's been impacted from some issues with his lower body and being able to leverage the ball the way he can. Uh, which is an explicit statement about his ability to hit. Mm -hmm. Uh, At times he feels good, and at times there are things that are slowing him down a little bit. And then here, this is significant, somewhat. Sosha actually corrected himself. He said, I mean holding him back a little bit from where he wants to be in the batter's box. So he was being very clear to say that he doesn't mean slowing down on the bases. Mm -hmm. He means held back offensively. And I mentioned that I had, a, uh, I had clocked his fastest home the first time in a month on Sunday and wondering whether there's some optimism that he's coming out of the pain, that there's some positive trajectory. And Sosha would not uh, embrace that and said, you know, some days it's better, some days it's worse. It's not a thing that, is gonna, that you can really expect to get better. There's no, there's no slope toward, toward health in this case um and uh so it's 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 it was hard for him to even fake optimism about it and the last thing that's tricky about it is that uh ideally if you rest the guy he'd be DHing he he wouldn't be standing at first base for an hour and a half every game um and yet he's been playing first base about half of the games that the angels have played and the reason is because he thinks that it helps him be a better hitter uh that it's hard for him to stay loose and uh, if he's DHing, and particularly with his foot and his leg, uh, it's very hard for him to stay loose. So he needs to keep moving around if he wants to be able to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is that that makes it harder for it to heal. So, as Sosha said, it's a catch 22. It's tough to take the burden off when that burden helps you be the player you want to be. So, uh, it's, uh, I sometimes hear things referred to as Kafka esque. And I have never read Kafka, and I don't think this is Kafka esque. However, there is this weird state where, uh, where Pujols is uh, is trapped in a prison, and there is no there is no there is no metaphorical uh, jury that's going to hear his case. He's just going to be stuck in this prison forever and ever and ever. Uh, potentially, he's got this injury that might just last ten more years. So, I uh, to bring this around to a question, uh, Christopher Long, the Padres quantitative anal- uh, analyst, uh, tweeted. Few weeks ago, uh, the question: Who would you rather have for the next, I think, eight years, Albert Pujols or Paul Goldschmidt? Salary, salary irrelevant. Just mm-hmm. who's who's the better ball player? Um, and I wanted to ask you that question, and then I want to ask you two similar follow-up questions.
1: Huh? Okay. Um, ten years, I guess. Eight. and a half. Yeah. Uh, I guess I would take. I guess I'd take Goldschmidt Yeah, uh, just, I, think, I, mean, I think Those are going to be mostly his his prime years And Pujols' decline years for a typical hitter and, and given what we've seen from him so far It's reasonable to expect that his decline years Are, are steeper than the typical hitters, I guess uh, I mean, given what you've said about the injury Yeah, I, I, I would go with Goldschmidt
0: yeah, I, I, at the time I, I was undecided, and I, I think I would have leaned toward, toward Albert, but um, that was probably three weeks ago, and uh, having watched him closely for three weeks, uh, I've switched. I would go with Goldschmidt. It's a weird situation where where Albert Bowles, the veteran, is actually the upside play. In this, you, he's not the safe one. Goldschmidt is clearly safer. There's a chance that that Pujols is a one and a half win player uh, for the next eight and a half years at this point, or that he never stays on the field for more than 50 games a year, or or something drastic happens like that. And uh, so, if I were picking for the next eight years, I don't think I could I could I could bet on the risk that Albert Pujols' injury uh, represents. Mm-hmm. So, uh, follow up, uh, same same rules, but uh, Pujols or Freddie Freeman.
1: Um. <clears throat> I like Freeman less, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess at this point, I, I feel like anyone who is, kind of an average player now, uh, and and is pre prime or or in his prime, um, would probably take that guy over Pujols.
0: Okay, so then the last one. Last one, Albert Pujols or Mark Trumbo?
1: uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm being... I mean, uh, there's a possibility that I'm being overly low on on Pujols and that he is is an all-time great, and often those players do things that are not typical. Um, And Trumbo, I guess, is... I mean, he's 27. He's not quite as young as as Goldschmidt and Freeman, but, uh, yeah, I'd probably still go with him.
0: Yeah. That's incredible. Huh? Cause it was like 15 months ago that they, that they were starting a 10 year deal with Pujols for $250 million and everybody was super happy and excited. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was gonna, you know, it's gonna usher the franchise into a new, a new, a new AOS dynasty. And now here we are.
1: Yeah. I, I guess the, uh, the, the quality that makes a player run into walls is maybe not Completely divorced from the quality that makes a player play hurt to his detriment If that is what Pujols is doing Which I guess is not clear But um, but if I knew that if a player had that tendency Like he wanted to win so much that he was just going to be out there no matter what Even if it would serve him better to take some time off and heal um that would make me less optimistic about a player long-term also.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, probably. And I think if you asked a player, they would tell you that that should make them make you more optimistic. I think that you and players 100% disagree on this. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. Well, we're done, and my omelet and salmon have not arrived.
0: All right. Well, I hope it does. And we'll be back tomorrow with the email show. Uh... Podcast at com. Send in your questions. We'll answer them. Thanks. See ya.